Chapter number 12 of A Red Wallflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakmula. A Red Wallflower by Susan Warner. The Vacation. The days went too fast as the last half of Pitt's vacation passed away. I there was no holding them, much as Esther tried to make each one as long as possible. I think Pitt tried too, for he certainly gave his little friend and playmate all he could of pleasure and all he could of himself. Esther shared everything he did very nearly that was not done within his own home. Nothing could have been more delightful than those days of August and September if only the vision of the end of them had not been so near. That vision did not hinder the enjoyment, it intensified it. Every taste of summer and social delight was made keen with that spice of coming pain. Even towards the very last, nothing could prevent Esther's enjoyment of every moment she and Pet spent together only to be together was such pleasure. Every word he spoke was good in her ears, and to her eyes every feature of his appearance and every movement of his person was calmly and admirable. She gave him, in fact, a kind of grape worship which perhaps nobody suspected in its degree, because it was not displayed in the manner of childish effusiveness. Esther was never effusive, her manner was always quiet, delicate, and dignified, such as a child's can well be. And so even Pitt himself did not fully know how his little friend regarded him, though he had sometimes a queer approach to apprehension. It struck him now and then, the grave, absorbed look of Esther's beautiful eyes, occasionally he caught a flash of light in them such as in nature only comes from heavily charged clouds. Always she liked to do what he liked, and gave quick regard to any expressed wish of his, always listened to him, and watched his doings, and admired his successes, with the unconditional devotion of an unquestioning faith. Pitt was half aware of all this, yet he was at an age when speculation is apt to be more busy with matters of the head than of the heart, and besides, he was tolerably well accustomed to the same sort of thing at home, and took it probably as very natural and quiet in order. And he knew well, and did not forget, that to the little lonely child his going away would be, even more than it might be to his mother, the loss of a great deal of brightness out of her daily life. He did even dread it a little, and as the time drew near, he saw that his fears were going to be justified. Esther did not lament or complain. She never indeed spoke of his going at all, but what was much more serious, she grew pale, and when the last week came, the smile died out of her eyes and from her lips. No tears were visible. Pitt would almost rather have seen her cry, like a child, much as with all other men he hated tears. It would have been better than this preternatural gravity with which the large eyes opened at him and the soft mouth refused to give away. She seemed to enter into everything they were doing with no less interest than usual. She was not abstracted. Rather, 
Pitt caught the impression that she carried about with her and brought into everything the perfect recollection that he was going away. It began to oppress him. I wish I could feel, mother, that you would look a little after that motherless child, he said in a sort of despairing attempt one evening. She is not fatherless, Mrs. Dallas answered composedly. No, but a girl wants a mother. She is accustomed to the want now. Mother, it isn't kind of you. How would you have me show kindness? Mrs. Dallas asked calmly. Now that Pitt was going away and safe, she could treat the matter without excitement. What would Colonel Gansborough like me to do for his daughter, do you think? Pitt was silent and vexed. What do you want me to do for her? I'd like you to be a friend to her. She will need one. If her father dies, you mean. If he lives, she will be very lonely when I am gone away. That is because you have accustomed her so much to your company. I never thought it was wise. She will get over it in a little while. Would she? Pitt studied her next day, and much doubted his mother's assertion. All the months of his last term in college had not been enough to weaken in the least Esther's love for him. It was real, honest, genuine love and of very pure quality. A diamond, he was ready to think, of the first water. Only a child's love. But Pitt had too fine a nature himself to despise a child's love. And full as his head was of novelties, hopes and plans and purposes, there was space in his heart for a very tender concern about Esther beside. It came to the last evening, and he was sitting with her on the veranda. It was rather cool there now. The roses and honeysuckles and the summer moonshine were gone. The two friends chose to stay there because they could be alone and nobody overhear their words. Words for a little while had ceased to flow. Esther was sitting very still and Pitt knew how she was looking. Something of the dry despair had come back to her face which had been in it when he was first moved to busy himself about her. Esther, I shall come back, he said suddenly, bending down to look in her face. When, she said, half under her breath, it was not a question, it was an answer. Well, not immediately, but the years pass away fast. Don't you know that? Are you sure you will come back? Why, certainly. If I am alive, I will. Why, if I came for nothing else, I would come to see after you, Queen Esther. Esther was silent. Talking was not easy. And meanwhile, I shall be busy, and you will be busy. We have both a great deal to do. You have, and I'm sure you have. Now let us consult. What have you got to do before we see one another again? I suppose, said Esther, take care of Papa. She said it in a quiet, matter-of-course tone, and Pitt started a little. It was very likely, but it had not just occurred to him before how large a part that care might play in the girl's life for some time to come. Does he need so much care? He asked.
it isn't real care said esther in the same tone but he likes to have me about to do things for him queen esther aren't you going to carry on your studies for me all the same for you said she lifting her heavy eyes to him it hurt him to see how heavy they were weighted with a great load of sorrow too mighty for tears for me certainly i expect everything to go on just as if i were here to look after it i expect everything to go on so that when i come again i may find just what i want to find you must not disappoint me esther did not say she made no answer at all and after a minute put a question which was a diversion where are you going first pet to lisbon yes i know that but when you get to england london first you know that is the great english centre do you know any people there not i but i have a great uncle there living at kensington i believe that is part of london though really i don't know much about it i shall go to see him of course your great uncle that is mr dallas's own uncle no my mother's his name is Trahan. and then you are going to oxford why do you go there are not the colleges in america just as good i can tell better after i've seen oxford but no queen esther that is larger and older and richer than any college in america can be indeed it is a cluster of colleges it is a university will you study in them all no said pitt laughing not exactly but it is a fine place by all accounts a noble place and then you know we are english and my father and mother wish me to be as english as possible that is natural we are english too said esther sighing therefore you ought to be glad i am going but esther's cheeks only grew a shade paler will you keep up your studies like a good girl i will try and send me a drawing now and then to let me see how you are getting on she lifted her eyes to him again for how of those grave appealing looks how could i get it to you your father will have my address i shall write to him and i shall write to you she made no answer the things filling her heart were too many for it and too strong there came no tears but her breathing was laboured and her brow was dark with what seemed a mountain of oppression pitt was half glad that just now there came a call for esther from the room behind them both went in the colonel wanted esther to search in a repository of paper for a certain english print of some months back well my boy said he are you off just off sir said pitt eyeing the little figure that was busy in the corner among the papers it was him more pain than he had thought to leave it i wish you would come over colonel why shouldn't you it would do you good i mean when there is peace again upon the high seas i shall never leave this place again till i leave all that is earthly colonel gainsborough answered may i take the liberty sometimes of writing to you sir i should like it very much williams and if i find anything that would amuse esther sir may i tell her about it i have no objection she will be very much obliged to you so 
you are going. Heaven be with you, my boy. You have lightened many an hour for me. He rose up and shook Pitt's hand with a warm grasp and a dignified manner of leave-taking. But when Pitt would have taken Esther's hand, she brushed past him and went out into the hall. Pitt followed, with another bow to the colonel and courteously shutting the door behind him, wishing the work well over. Esther, however, made no fuss, hardly any demonstration. She stood there in the hall and gave him her hand silently, I might say coldly, for the hand was very cold and her face was white with suppressed feeling. Pitt grasped the hand and looked at the face, hesitated, then opened his arms and took her into them and kissed her. Was she not like a little sister? And was it possible to let this heartache go without elevation? No doubt if the colonel had been present he would not have ventured such a breach of forms, but as it was Pitt defied forms. He clasped the soaring little girl in his arms and kissed her brow and her cheek and her lips. I'm coming back again, said he. See that you have everything all right for me when I come. Then he let her out of his arms and went off without another word. As he went home, he was ready to smile and shake himself at the warmth of demonstration into which he had been betrayed. He was not Esther's brother and had no particular right to show himself so affectionate. The colonel would have been, he doubted, less than pleased and it would not have happened in his dignified presence. But Esther was a child, Pitt said to himself, and a very tender child, and he could not be sorry that he had shown her the feeling was not all on her side. Perhaps it might comfort the child. It never occurred to him to reproach himself with showing more than he felt, for he had no occasion. The feeling he had given expression to was entirely genuine, and possibly deeper than he knew, although he shook his head, figuratively, at himself as he went home. Esther, when the door closed upon Pitt, stood still for some minutes in the realization that now it was all over and he was gone. The hall door was like a grim kind of barrier, behind which the light of her life had disappeared. It remained so stolidly closed. Pitt's hand did not open it again. The hand was already at a distance, and would maybe never push that door open any more. He was gone, and the last day of that summer vacation was over. The feeling absorbed Esther for a few minutes and made her as still as a stone. It did comfort her that he had taken such a kindly leave of her, and at the same time it sealed the sense of her loss, for he was the only one in the world in whose heart it was to give her good earnest kisses like that, and he was away, away. Her father's affection for her was undoubted. Nevertheless, it was not his wont to give it that sort of expression. Esther was not comparing, however, nor reflecting, only filled with a sense of her loss, which for the moment chilled and stiffened her. She heard her father's voice calling her, and she went in. My dear, you stay too long in the cold. Is William gone? Oh, yes, Papa. That is not the right paper I want. This is an August paper. I want the one for the last week in July. 
Esther went and rummaged again among the pile of newspapers mechanically, finding it hard to command her attention to such an indifferent business. She brought the July paper at last. Papa, do you think he will ever come back? she asked, trembling with pain and effort not to show it. Come back, who? William Dallas? Why shouldn't he come back? His parents are here. If he lives, he will return to them, no doubt. Esther sat and said no more. The earth seemed to her dreadfully empty. End of chapter number 12